0: So we said we're going to talk about Yom Kippur, but I thought that it would be nice to do that by at least nominally continuing our discussion of Shmona Esrei. So what I'm going to start with, I'm going to remind you that there was a statement that Rav Berkowitz made. He pointed out that all of the halachos of Shmona Esrei uh, unfold from the reality that we're standing and talking directly to Hashem. That we're in a conversation with the master of the universe. And so all the halachos are expressions of that. Last time we talked about the halachos in general. I mean, I'm not teaching halacha because I'm not qualified to do that. But we talked about the idea that there's a halacha to say the words of the davening, but that there's also halacha that the words that you say in your tefillah, meaning the shmon esrei, should not be heard by other people. It's between you and Hashem. Now, there's another halacha that I wanted to to talk about today. This is, again, I'm not pretending that I'm teaching the halacha, I'm teaching you about the halacha. So when it comes to practicalities, we have to ask shayla. which also reminds me that Rabbi after answered the question that we asked about um, what to do if the, the chazen oh. begins the repetition of Shmona Esrei and you're still davening Shmona Esrei. So I have the answer to that. If I forget, then remind me at the end. He also gave me permission to print out the answer. Um, so because there's different variations depending on where you're up to. So, um... This is... That's a constant for me. Oh okay, we yeah, never finished. Yeah, I mean, we had, like, three different people. You weren't even here. And <laughs> everyone kind of said, oh, yeah, we have that problem. So he, he sent us... He gave me an answer and said that it was okay to, to print it, not just talk about it. But I forgot to, so I can do it afterward. Okay. So this... Today, I want to talk about this halacha. Yechavin raglav ze etzel Z. A person, I'm sorry, it's not on there, um, because I don't think this source is easily found in the source sheet maker that I've been trying. Yechavin etzel ze. A person, when davening shmona esrei, should align his feet one next to the other. You, you place your feet next to each other, which you've probably noticed, whether or not you knew this was a halacha, you've noticed that other people, when they're davening shmona esrei, they're not walking around, they're, not, they're standing with their feet together ki ilu And you arrange them this way so that they appear as though they are one leg. Lihidamos la to look like malachim. This is comparable to angels. Dichtiv bahen viraglehim regel yeshara. Because there is a description of malachim that they, their legs are a straight leg, one leg. Klomar nirim regel meaning that they look like one leg yodov alibo, kaposin hayamonis Hasmolis A person should also rest his hands near his heart, with one the right hand over the left hand, so the hands are together and the feet are together. Um like a servant lifne rabo standing before his master beema with awe, with fear, with trembling. That's the halacha. That is a quote from the Shulchan Aruch. You hold the sitter, so... Yeah, so you'd hold your sitter with your hands together. You'll, you'll see. The, the ikar one is the feet. The hands is... It, it does come up. Okay. Now, the maharal... The maharal talks about different aspects of this halacha that a person should align his feet and hold them together. Putting the feet together and making them equal and next to each other is a demonstration that the person is showing that he is not able to do anything. He cannot act. And this is something that we saw a few years ago when we talked about the bracha on shoes and on walking. and That walking and taking steps are our way of acting through the world, of moving through the world. So holding feet together is a way of saying, I cannot take any steps through the world. Because the beginning of any action is that the feet take you to the place where you want to do whatever it is you're going to do. Um, yeah, and therefore, also the halacha is that a person should rest his hands together, because it gives the same it gives the same message that it I can't do anything, I am not able to do anything. Now you remember that when we're moving from Sh'ma Esrei to Shema, we're moving from it's me and God in this beautiful relationship to there's only God. And so this expression of I put my hands together, I put my feet together, I'm drawing in toward myself and, and kind of holding down and limiting those parts of my body that allow me to act on the world. The feet, which represent the power and the ability to move through the world, and the hands, which are the power and the ability to manipulate the world. And I say, those two things are going out of commission. And I'm, I recognize that in reality, I cannot do anything, whether it's with the hands or with the feet. And this is why we do the, this is the halacha, with our hands and our feet. And this is in order that a person should recognize within himself that he has no power. And really, all of his ability to act comes from God, who is his provider not from himself at all. Good morning. So we just began with, there's a halacha, it's brought in Shulchan Arch that a person should put his feet side by side together when davening shvon esrei, and also the hands should be kind of layered over each other. If you have a sitter, then you're not doing that because you're holding your sitter, but basically speaking. And this is the reason, that a person should recognize inside of himself that really he is not able to do anything on his own and it is all from Hashem who provides for him. None of the power is, in fact, his own. And this is what the Meforshim teach us about it, that it looks as if the person cannot do anything, not even begin to take a step to do anything for himself. Now, there's an extension of this idea, which is that the Avoda of shmone Esri is, and I think we mentioned this last week, that the person recognizes that he is dependent and he is a receiver and that Hashem is the provider. There's times when we act one way, times another, but in the state of Shemona Esrei is a state of coming to our own level, whatever degree of perfection we're able to achieve in receiving, not feeling that we act, that we are doing and providing. Because this is, again, this is the level of Ratzon, so this is Hashem's will that we're seeking to express, not our own will. This is His action, His influence on the world, not our own. And in order to put oneself under, sort of underneath, in a mode of receiving, so what we do is pull in those parts of our body, our hands and our feet, which allow us to expand or spread ourselves out over the world. Our hands and our feet are what allow us to reach beyond ourselves. And over here we need to draw that in. Because reaching beyond ourselves means I am influencing the world outside of me. And Shemona Esri is a time to recognize I'm not really the one who's influencing the world outside of me. It's Hashem who is acting, and I'm the one who's receiving. And even when I when I act, which we'll talk about a little more, not so much today, but even when I do act, even when I speak Shmona Esrei, I begin by saying, Hashem, sefosai tiftach. Hashem open my lips. Tila secha. And then my mouth can speak your praise. I can't even open my mouth. Now since the Avodah is with the mouth and with the speech, then we'll, we'll begin by saying, Hashem, you open my mouth. I can't do anything. But that's not a terrible feeling, that's an uplifting feeling. Because my goal is to become as much at one with God's will and to become a channel for Hashem's bracha into the world. Because my goal after Shwana Esrei is to bring this out with me. Down the line, I'm going to bring it out through the different steps. So in Shwana Esrei, I pull my hands into myself. I pull my feet into themselves. So that it's, I don't have the feeling that I'm doing something. I have the feeling that I'm unable to do and yet Hashem is able to do, and he provides everything for me. Now one way, this is, now I'm going to, this is not from the Maharao, but based on this idea, I'm going to, to take this into what we're talking about on Yom Kippur, um, but not immediately, because first there's a sort of an introduction to that. So again, if I forget, feel free to remind me. Okay, so... And asking the question of Yom Kippur and what is it about Yom Kippur, um, I started with the Derech Hashem. So there is a quote from Derech Hashem here. It isn't quite, it isn't both paragraphs. It's only one of them, but that's what I was able to get onto the source sheet. Okay. So this is, oh, these aren't labeled either. Okay. I must have printed out the wrong version. They're supposed to be numbered. One, two, three, and four, but they're not. So this is the first source on the source sheet. There's some right here if you want to follow along. There aren't there are not Nikudot on this source. So for what it's worth. Omnominya nyomha hu. He says, What is the idea of incubator? Actually before I get to this, I want to give you the background from other parts of Dera Hashem. Um, before it's easier to understand this about what he says here. What what um, What Ramchal says is, every day in the Jewish calendar has a light that it, translates to, that it transmits or translates into the world. It is bringing a power, a koach, into the world. Presumably, these are really all different facets of the same light, but different aspects of that light or different frequencies of that light come into the world with a strength on different days of the year. And in particular, there is Shabbos. Shabbos is a time when there is a greater light that comes into the world for the whole week. This is the idea of Shabbos mekor Habracha. Shabbos is the source of blessing. On Shabbos, we withdraw from physical action. Not entirely, but six days of the week. Our job is to think about what is chaser, what is missing, and strive and make effort to provide for what is missing. On Shabbos, we stop doing that. On Shabbos, we just receive what we have already worked on. We receive the fruits of that. We receive what Hashem is sending into the world, and this is related to the kedusha of Shabbos, the light of Shabbos, which is a time to stop trying to act and start trying to receive. Right? That's it's a me'ain olam haba. It's a taste of olam haba. A little sliver of moving from this world in which we act to a world in which we are able to receive and enjoy the, the closeness of Hashem. So you start to hear how that connects to this Maharal that I mentioned about Shmone Esrei. Because Shmone Esrei is a time in every day. Shmone Esrei is to davening, what Yom Kippur is to the calendar which is what the Kodesh HaKadoshim is to the Beis HaMikdash. Yeah, it's great. We can add another column one of these days to our, to our table. Shema would correspond to Rosh Hashanah, kab- Malchus Shemayim, and Yom Kippur is Tefillah, is Shemona Esrei, is the world of Atsilos, is the world of Neshama, right? It's the Avodas Hashem of our Neshama. We had already the mind, we had already the emotions, we had already the body. Yom Kippur and Shemona Esrei are the same source, but played out in a different aspect of life. So knowing what we saw about Shabbos, what is is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is called in the Torah Shabbos Shabbason. A more Shabbastic Shabbos than even Shabbos is. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to read the Ramchah. So what is the significance of Yom Kippur? Shehine That Hashem, the master of the world, has prepared for the Jewish people one particular day. Shabos kala It is a day on which teshuva is easily accepted. If you do tshuva on Yom Kippur, it's very quickly accepted by God, easily. The ha'avonos krovim lemachos. And sins are quickly erased. In other words, you can quickly, re- you can easily repair all of the damage that has been done by our sins. And to remove all the darkness that has been created by our sins, that is obscuring, you know, the dirt that is obscuring the light from shining through. Yom Kippur is a day for returning those who need to be returned, and who are returning to Hashem, to the level of kedusha and closeness to Hashem Yisbarak, that they have distanced themselves by means of their sins. It's a day for Chuva. Vehine, and behold, beyom on this day, meir or there shines a light. Shebekhocho Nishlam ha'inyan the light that shines into Yom Kippur is a light that completes all of this, that makes all this happen and hold together. It holds the tshuva together, it holds the return together, it holds the repairs together. So Yom Kippur has a light that is a stronger light than any other day of the year. It's Shabbos, On steroids, it's all the Shabbos of the year rolled into one. The power of the Shabbos to be a time to receive from Hashem by drawing as near as possible to Him, by removing that which is a barrier to Him, and by correcting the damage that's been done through our sins in the past. So then we have to say, well, how do we get that light? How do we receive it? How do we feel it? How do we sense it? How do we allow it to impact us? And Ramchal says, you know how you can receive that light on Yom Kippur? Keep the mitzvahs of the day. Bifrat in inui In other words, the Torah said, viinisa mesnafsho sechem. You have to impoverish your physical spirit. How do you impoverish your physical spirit? So there are five restrictions on Yom Kippur. One is not to eat. One is not to drink. One is not to have marital relations. One is not to apply lotions. Right, um, what's the, f- not to wear leather shoes. So Motions are... and washing And um, washing, no, those are separate ones, actually, thank you. And, wa- and not bathing. In other words, you hold back on care of the body. That's the inui. Sha- but why? <laughs> if you've ever wondered to yourself why, that by keeping the rules of Yom Kippur, what we do is we detach our bodies. We detach our soul very much from the body by releasing the bonds of the body, by saying the body, normally we have to take care of our bodies, and we're obligated to. It would not be a holy thing to act like Yom Kippur every other day, any other day of the year. But it is holy on Yom Kippur to allow ourselves to separate from the physical. By the way, just like it would be inappropriate to keep Shabbos every day. Because we are supposed to be making our effort in this world. We just have to recognize that there's one day that is really the truth of it all. And that's what's bringing the impact and the effect and the empowerment into the other days. Yom Kippur is that big adon. Um, ha-malachim. This allows us a little bit to match the level of malachim when we do this. Now, these are ideas we've heard, but Ramchal expresses it in a little bit different way, because what he's saying is that there are barriers between us and that light of Yom Kippur, and that if nothing else, by keeping the halachas of Yom Kippur as we're meant to. Now, that means that if you have to eat, you have to eat, right? But you still can avoid bathing, you still can avoid lotions, you still can... Each thing What they do is these halachos bring down the barriers between us and the light of Yom Kippur. And that allows our soul to be more. Now, if we think of this in terms of what the Maharal said about Shemona Esri, which is a legitimate way to think about it. Hello, come in. Hi. How are you? No problem. There's a handout in the middle. If we think about this idea of Ramchal, in light of what Maharal said about Yom Kippur, which, uh, about Shemona Esrei, that for Shemona Esray, we hold our feet together and we restrain them. We hold our hands together and we restrain them. And in doing this, we attain an awareness that it isn't our body that achieves. It's not us. It's Hashem who's doing. It's Hashem who's the influencer and we are the receivers. It's His Ratzon that we're going to get in touch with. And on Yom Kippur, what do we do? We hold back the body. We become like Malachim. We say it's service of Hashem with the neshama. And the way that that is allowed is this, it's really the same as the way we stand in Ishmona esri, we're holding back the body. And in holding back the body, we're able to receive what Ramcha calls this light of Yom Kippur that comes to us, which in itself is already a very encouraging idea. If you don't know where to start with your Yom Kippur, then at least you can start by knowing, okay, wait, I'll keep these halachos of inui the halachos of Yom Kippur. And in keeping the halachos of Yom Kippur, already I've opened up the barriers that allow me to receive the light of Yom Kippur and to be influenced and to be a receiver, really. To be a receiver of the light, which is the goal, and that is similar to that avoda, to that avoda of of tefillah itself. Okay, now it turns out Tzidkas Satzadik is not a source that is available in this new... I'm trying a new source sheet program, which is, there's, oh, you've got a source sheet, so, but, but it doesn't have everything, okay, but I do have a copy of it here, okay, Sitka Sathadik, or Tzadka coin describes, and this is an idea I think we've touched on before, which is, um, it's actually referenced also, if you say Kaparos, right, if there's only one white angel out of a thousand, or if there's even one that's only one one-thousandth white out of all the black, right, what's this idea? So he says, every Avera that a person does creates a Malach Ra, a bad Malach. Now, what do we, how do we understand that? Now, the truth is we're more prepared to understand it because we've talked about tovin Ra in the past, right? That Ra is the dark way to Hashem's Ratzon. Nothing really can thwart Hashem's Ratzon. And Chazal have taught us that this is good for a person. What is that supposed to mean? Everything we create creates a kind of an equivalent, you know, when a malach is, Rabbi Tatz's definition of a malach is a messenger of divine force. So we create some kind of messenger of force out of our own actions that's ra, and that's good. Why is that? How could it be ra and good? Because a malach, by definition, is a living spiritual reality that is in service of Hashem. The malach of our actions is not our malach. It's the effect of, we just said, really whenever we do something, it's Hashem acting through us because we don't really have power. We only have the power to choose and to choose to do the mitzvah. So even of our wrong actions, there's a force that's born, and yet this is good. Why? Because the malach, the force that is created even by our wrong actions, desires to serve Hashem. We didn't feel it. We think we're doing something against Hashem, and yet what is created of that is a frustrated desire to serve Hashem. And therefore, this energy of this malach goes into trying to turn the person who created it back to tshuva. This is a very interesting concept. It's a very different kind of concept. And therefore, when a person feels thoughts of, I should do better, when a person feels thoughts of anxiety, when a person feels thoughts of guilt or regret, these are the voice of that malach trying to stimulate the person to do tshuva. By the way, it's not only anxiety about the sin. Ramchal says elsewhere, feelings of anxiety and fear that are not grounded directly in something that's around us, they are the malachim of our averos. That is what looks like an action of a sin. Somebody flips a light switch on Shabbos on purpose. They just can't bear it. I don't know why this is such a terrible temptation for them. Right? They're going to flip the light switch on Shabbos. That's the action you see in the world of Asiya. In the world of Malachim, right? everything exists. Everything has this permanent nature. So in the world of the emotion, it looks like Yisurim. Sorry, I knew I knew this, but I haven't seen that Ramchaon in a long time. At the world of, yeah, at the next world, at the world that we call life, not the the body, the Regesh, that looks like Yisurim, suffering. When a person has suffering, that's where it comes from. What about at the world of Malachim? I can't tell you what it looks like at the world of Atzilus. I don't know that one yet. Chait, I don't know. Okay, But at the world of the Malachim, in the world of Olam HaBriah, that looks like this Malach Ra. And it creates anxiety down below. And these are, these are in fact, the chait that we've created. It's not that it's a, a midah connected midah. This is what we have created. The reality of what we create when we do something wrong is we create a force in the world to try and turn us around to do right. And therefore, when a person, because of these stirrings and feelings and yearnings inside, feelings that I need to be better, I can be better, when you do do tshuva out of that, now your avera has been turned into a mitzvah. This is what Chazal told us, right? That gedola tshuva, tshuva is so great that even aveiras can be turned into mitzvahs. How can avera turn into a mitzvah? It's still a bad act. But the answer is that the Avera itself has turned around and brought us to tshuva. Okay. I want to just mention this Rambam, too. This, I did get into the source sheet. This is the second one. It says, Mishnah Torah, it's Hilchos tshuva. The Rambam's Hilchos tshuva. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but what he says is a person should never think that because he is a Baal tshuva, we're not talking culturally here, That because a person has sinned and repented, there's no way he will ever be able to reach the righteous people's level. I mean, not that we're in competition, but you look at the people, you know, maybe you went through a rough period in your life and you weren't doing such a good job, and maybe you really messed up your life, and now you've tried to come back and repair it. But here you are, you know, five years, ten years, no learning in your life. Five years, ten years of who knows little shabbos or eating trade foods, and you know a person's carrying a lot of baggage. And even if we're trying to fix it, we look around and we realize, like, oh, I'm nowhere near those people who spent all that time drawing close to Hashem. Forget it. Like I'm always going to be a second class citizen, really, in this world. We're not talking about how other people will see us. They shouldn't see us as second class citizens, but who knows what they're going to say? Who knows, right? But but Hashem is going to see me as a second-class citizen. That's what a person could think, and the Rambam says, you shouldn't think that. You should not allow yourself to think of yourself as a second-class citizen. <inaudible> it isn't so. <inaudible> he is beloved and cherished before the Creator as if He hadn't sinned. <inaudible> not, not just that. <inaudible> he has a great reward. It's not really just that He's like somebody who never sinned he tasted the taste of the sin, and separated himself from it and he conquered his Yesahara. His Yesahara already had free reign. That's harder to pull back. It's much easier to stop before you get into it. That was the whole message of the parsha of Tzitzis in in right? You're going to work, I'm going to set up something for myself. I'm going to set up a barrier. I'm going to make my fence so that I won't fall off the cliff. But somebody who already fell off the cliff, you know, it's like Wiley Coyote. You're going to scramble back up right through the air to get to the top is what it feels like. Once you've fallen off, how do you get back up? And that's why Chazal told us, omdim, that the place where a Baal Tshuva, doesn't mean somebody who wasn't born religious and became from. I mean, that's nice. That's also very important. That is Baal tshuva. But Baal Tshuva means a person who has done Tshuva. I want to point out that it's a Baal Tshuva. One who is a person of tshuva, who kind of owns tshuva, because this is something we're going to come back and touch on. And this tells us, (laughs) Because they've had to, a person who's had to conquer, now really this could apply to any of us. This isn't like, I use, let's say, a dramatic example, somebody who's gone off for 10 years, right? But all of us have sinned and any of us if we do tshuva on our sin become a bal tshuva and we also qualify as we don't have to feel discouraged right for 10 years I've been screaming at my kids so even if I fix it now I'm still a bad mommy no if I can control it over here if I can do a tshuva if I can somehow correct this and work on it now I'm a bal tshuva in this area so what are my kids gonna say? I don't know. But between me and Hashem, I'm good. And you know, maybe I'm even better than somebody who's naturally very soft spoken. And who naturally just like, you know, very maybe passive. That's oh, oh, it's good, it's nice, it's good, everything's good. I had a friend once, I mean I still have this friend, she's one of my best friends. But once in a shear, many years ago, there was a parenting shear, um, Mrs. Beck, Carol Bess's mother, came to give a shear. And this friend, everyone, people were sharing their different strategies. I think at the time, I had a one-year-old, so I was very superior, of course, because I never made any mistakes. My oldest child was one. How, how bad could it be? But these some of the women had older children and already were dealing with other kinds of challenges. And people were sharing their different challenges and how do they deal and getting advice. And this friend says, you know, sometimes... And she meant it from the heart. I mean, I, I do understand, like, it was a real issue, but... Everyone was laughing because her her issue was that sometimes, you know, she looks so sad and disappointed about her children's bad behavior and she thinks it's really overkill, like, and she has to learn not to... And everyone's like, you're kidding, right? Like, this is the big one. She doesn't shout. It's not her nature. She doesn't shout at them. She doesn't... She doesn't... Certainly doesn't potch them. She doesn't... Right? She's... Oh... Like, I'm so disappointed in you, you know? That's, like, too much, you know? Like, so she has to pull it back. But for, like, all the normal people in the room, that was, like, you're kidding. Like, we would strive for that. If that would be, like, the worst punishment that the, we ever react to our kids to show that we're disappointed in them. Yeah, but the truth is, if for you that's not the level where you're holding, so then, then it's really, that's where you are. Ve'en Yisrael negalin elo Now, you remember we talked about the smichus of ge'ula to tefila? You have to go straight from the brach of Geulah, from coming out of Shema, from being saved at the Red Sea, and you have to go straight into tefillah. E'n Yisrael negalin, <inaudible> elo <inaudible> Chuva. Chuva is in fact that which brings us closer to redemption. Because it is true that a person yesterday was doing despicable things in the eyes of God. And maybe Hashem was looking and saying, I'm disappointed in you. But today, he is cherished and loved and close and dear. That's an amazing thing. And even if we know it, it's worth knowing. Because as much as we can know that, good morning, mommy, as much as we can know that, we forget. We think it's hopeless, there's no chance, this particular personality characteristic, this particular flaw, I can't fix it. Okay, Uh, I want to take another step though, because very important this idea of what is a Baal tshuva. So the Maharal, I have it over here. The Maharal on Utshuva Utfila Utztaka and Roah hagzera. We said it yesterday, which seems like a long time ago now. In Unasana Tokev, we say it again on Yom Kippur, right? Um, That is, I did get it on here. That is, yeah, this source down here, halfway down the second side. On Rosh Hashanah, it's written and everything is inscribed. What will be our fate for the next year? But repentance, teshuvah, utfila, and davening, and tzedakah, marvira and hagzeira, these can change it. Now the truth is, and I haven't worked out all the details, but it seems pretty clear since teshuva and tefila are all in the in the level of atzilus, that tzedakah must be too. Okay, so this, and this can change because in changing at the level of Ratzon, we're also able to change Hashem's Ratzon in terms of what will spill out into the world, what will become real and materialized into the world. That's where the change happens. It's in that realm. So by working in that realm in ourselves, we're working in that realm of the world. So here's what the Maharal says He says, a person has to... Sorry, you know what? I have a copy of this where I underline. He says, A person may have had a gazera upon him from heaven because of his bad deeds. And because a person could legitimately deserve punishment because of what he's done wrong. But nevertheless, he should never say to himself that because this is true and he knows he has it coming to him, And he knows it was a gezerah, that it can't change. Because the truth is, it can change. He can change, therefore the gezerah can change. And if he changes, just I I just skipped, if he changes just one piece to the good, then it's as if he's a different person. And that gezerah didn't apply to him. And then he plays it out. He says, so what is this? Teshuvah, Tfilah, and Tzedakah change the bad Gezerah, the difficult Gezerah. He says Teshuvah, each Teshuvah, Tfilah, and Tzedakah corresponds to Hashem bechol levavcha, uvechol uvechol This is how we have to love Hashem. And each one of these, if we can make a lit here, in Tzedakah, he works it backwards. Tzedakah, this is the maase, this is the action, this is the goof. You can change that, you can change your action, and now you are a balchuva in your actions. You can change, bechol over uvechol nafshecha, is the tefillah, because it's avoda of the lave. and I have a little bit of question about it, exactly how he got to this. is pouring out his heart and his mevatel himself and his soul in tefillah, this is clear, this part is clearer because we said we hold back our body, right? We hold back our zone. We, we're holding in our life force, so to speak, and saying this is really from Hashem. That's like the Masirus Nefesh of Bechol Nafshecha, who no tell is Nafshecha, serving Hashem even if he takes your soul, right? Being willing to give that up. And um, that, that's, I'm working back with Bechol Meodecha, Bechol Nafshecha, Bechol Levavcha is the, teshu, the Teshuvah, with all your heart, changing what you want. And what he says is, if you change a little bit of any one of those things, then you have changed either your levavcha, your nafshacha, or your meodecha. It only has to be a little. This is, this is a very different way of coming to what the Balimossar say about making small change, because it's sustainable. That's not what the Maharal is saying. He's not contradicting that, but he's not saying that either. He's saying that if you make a tiny change, you are different. You are a Baal Teshuvah, if you have done Teshuvah. Nobody said how big it had to be. There's no Gemara that says this much Teshuvah. You know, if it's less, it's like a, a, a mashahu, then it's not a shiur. There's no shiur of Teshuvah. If a person does Teshuvah, you are a Baal Teshuvah, or a bala's Teshuvah. If a person gives tzedakah, you become a Baal tzedakah. If you say tefillah, you become a Baal tefillah. Well, Baal tefillah means somebody who leads a davening, so that's not what I mean, right? You become a person who is davening. You become a person who is giving your life to God. That's what you're supposed to be doing in tefillah, is giving your life over to God. So we haven't started learning so much about that because we're still just on the very introduction of Shemona Esrei, right? But this is the Avodah of Shmona Esrei, really. So that's the next message. First message is Yom Kippur is a time for that, and if we pull back on the physicality by keeping the mitzvahs of the Inui of Yom Kippur, then we are prepared and able to receive the light of Yom Kippur, which is the light of Shabbos Shabboson. It is a greater light than the light of Shabbos in terms of receiving from Hashem and that being the source of bracha and the source of closeness and the source of love rather than feeling like we're acting. And the second point was that our our Averos can cause a darkness to that, but they also can stimulate us to return. The third was that a person should never give up hope. They should never think that because I've done bad, I can never achieve something worthwhile, because really Hashem cherishes the person who does teshuva, and they have in themselves a value that can be even greater than the person who always had it right all along. And the fourth point is that there is no sheer of teshuva. That you can put yourself in the category of one who has done teshuva who, to be Ma'avir the Roah HaGzairah. We don't know what our gazera is yet. We only see it play out over the year. But the Maharal said, you can't, don't think it can't be changed. It could be changed, but the reason it could be changed is because you could be changed. And because you can be changed, your gazera can be changed. Okay. Rav Berkowitz describes Yom Kippur like this. He says, Yom Kippur is the holiday to celebrate our ability to learn and grow from our mistakes. Which is a much more encouraging way to think about Yom Kippur. He says, How can you, you know, how can you do it? How can you say Vidui ten times in a day and not feel beaten down? But Yom Kippur isn't a sad day, Yom Kippur is a Yantiv. You Kippur is a day we're supposed to receive this. The <laughs> he quotes the Ramchal. I don't know where it is. I still haven't found it. I mentioned this last year. I haven't found it. He quotes the Ramchal who says, do you want to know, do you want to see the purest goodness? Do you want to look at a person and see what's, what's the greatest degree of good in the world in a person? Any guesses? Because I know what I think it is and I'm definitely wrong. <laughs> okay we say the newborn baby right, like they're so good and they're so pure and so. Ramchal says if you want to see evil in its purest state, look at a child under the age of three if you want to see goodness in its purest state, look at someone just after the age of bar or bas mitzvah now that is not the same experience I've had but Ramchal is only 500 years ago. It's difficult for me to attribute it to the change of the generations. You know, if it's 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, maybe their kids were different? <laughs> I don't think so, by the way. It doesn't seem that way. The kids weren't different. The Torah's definition of good and evil is different than our own. Because a small child is only seeking to grab, is only seeking to take and is only seeking to do it from ignorance. So here's how Rav Berkowitz describes the Ramchal. I can't give you the Ramchal directly because I didn't find the source. The Ramchal's de- definitions of tov and ra, of good and bad. Tov, good, is the struggle to learn from mistakes and improve. That's Yom Kippur, right? That's Yom Kippur. That's what Chazal said, that when a person does a chait and it creates the malach ra, that's a tova for the person. A tova means a favor, but a tovah means a good. Why? It's something that causes us to struggle to learn and grow from our mistakes. So yeah, a teenager is a great example of that. And what else is being a teenager, if not a constant struggle to figure out how to learn and grow from your mistakes? A lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. But but trying to figure it out and grow from it. And Ra is following the instinct for pleasure. Who thought of those as the opposites? But they are. Of course they are. They're opposite of each other. The the desire to just follow an instinct for pleasure is the opposite of the the gumption to, to struggle against the errors and get it better. One is seeking pleasure and one is seeking growth. Those are the opposites. One is tov and one is ra. And this is what we're looking into on Yom Kippur. Can we put ourselves into the category of tov? Am I struggling to learn and grow from my mistake? That is the holiday of Yom Kippur. Here's how Rabbi Akiva puts it: "Ashrechem This It's a famous song, also They sing it on, usually on uh, Simchas Torah. "Ashrechem Yisroel," you are so fortunate, uh-huh. Jewish people. "Lifnei mi atem mitaharim," before whom are you purified? "Umi eschem. and who purifies you? "Avichem Shomayim your Father in Heaven. Now, I could think of, of all kinds of wonderful reasons why we're lucky and fortunate. But being purified is because I've messed up. I mean, I don't need to be, like, me tired, right? I don't need the mikvah. Okay, mikvah doesn't have to be because I messed up, but because I'm Tommy. There's something wrong that's being corrected, right? But over here, Rabbi Akiva's saying, don't you realize how lucky you are? How amazing it is? That you have a father in heaven who's mitahir you, who's waiting for you on Yom Kippur to say, I'll pour the water on you. You don't have a mikvah? No problem. I'll pour the mikvah onto you. All you have to do is come. That's really what Ramchal was saying about Yom Kippur. What you really have to do is pull back on the mitzvahs on Yom Kippur, the pulling back on the and then Yom Kippur will come onto you. And our struggle, will we achieve perfection? No, we've talked about that, right? He says, being physical pretty much means being imperfect. But in our minds, in our machshavos, we can struggle and strive for perfection. So I want to talk about one or two statements that we can use to help us, let's say, to catalyze a Yom Kippur, to make it something... We can think about this before Yom Kippur. It's good to be prepared. If you're going to give a big presentation, you usually work on it in advance. Um, but also to help catalyze us on Yom Kippur, to help push our thoughts in the direction of, okay, so if I have to change a small thing to be in the category of a Balchuva, what is it should I change? Right? So that's the question. What, here's one question. What one thing... If I did it better or did it more consistently, would help me become the better person I should be, that I can be, or that I am. What what one thing? And usually we know the answer to that. If, if if not seeing an obvious answer, try plugging a role in. What one thing? If I did it better or more consistently, would make me a better mom. What one thing? If I did it better or more consistently, would make me a better. Student, what one thing, if I did it better or more consistently, would make me a a better friend? What one thing, if I did it better or more consistently, would make me a better teacher? Whatever it is that our different roles in the world that we play, what is it we need to do to make it better? And usually we know what it is. So then we have to find that one thing. And then probably cut it in half. (laughs) and see if that's the right size. Because it has to be something, if you're gonna do it better and more consistently, then in order to be able to do it consistently, you have to be able to do it even when you're sick, even when you're tired, even when you actually had to spend 12 hours cooking for sukis, you still have to be able to fit it in. So you have to choose something so tiny, but remember what Maharal said? If you're changing, you're a Baal Tshuva. If you change that one small thing, so here, I heard a share from Rabbi Leichter, he says, who said uh, every, every long journey begins with a single step? So he's, I don't know, he's saying maybe it's this one, that one, somebody in the audience says Confucius. I don't know, it's Confucius. He says, what nonsense! Because also every short journey begins with a single step. And it's the same step. He says, when I walk out my door to go to the airport, to go to America, from America, so it's the same step out the door as when I walk out the door to get the mail it's the same step. So it's, a, it's, it's really a foolishness. It sounds good. Well, it's a long journey. Don't worry, I'll take a small step. And every long journey begins with one small step, But step. He says, no, that's not how you have to think about a small step. A small step is a journey. A small step is a small step. It's a big step. It's a journey. It's not that this small step has no meaning. But don't worry, if I take enough of them, I'll get to something that's meaningful. The small step is meaningful. That one little thing I did, now I've changed. I've changed my tshuva, I've changed my tefillah, I've changed my tzedakah. I've changed my heart, I've changed my will, I've changed my actions. i changed it. Okay, you want to quibble about, it. was it big enough, was it small enough, you know? It doesn't really matter how big or small it is. What The one thing that does matter is how important it is. So that's not something that I'm really competence to talk about, I can just tell you, Rabbi Leichter gives different examples of that, like the person who um, always says insulting things to people and makes a Kabbalah for themselves on Yom Kippur, that they'll say Asher Yatzar wearing a hat. He says, you're a murderer? You embarrass people in public? And now you're a big tzaddik, you're putting a hat on to say Asher Yatzar? So that's a pretty striking example of it, but we're all in this boat. You know, when we say Ashamnu bagadnu gazalnu, we have to realize we've done those things. We can't just look and say, well, I don't steal. Why don't, well, go figure out in what way I really do steal. Because really all of those apply to all of us. So what is important is not the size of the change, but it is important that we're, we're working on something that matters. But if I'm working on something that matters, then I'm working on something that matters! then it matters, it really matters. So how big, how small, what does that have to do with it? I'm working in the world of the infinite over here. So you know what? If I would have to go by a shear, if I would have to say there was a shear on tshuva, I'd be sunk because I can never reach perfection. I can never get there. And yet everyone's telling us, the Rambam's telling us, Rav telling us, Maral's telling us, don't think it can't change. It could change. So the only reason I could say that it can change is because there isn't a shir. however small the change is. It just has to be a change in an area that is important, that is chamor. That's the word that Rabbi Yisrael Salanta uses. It has to be something chamor. But some, you know, sometimes we are mixed up about what's chamor and what's not chamor. Right? The way we talk to another person, that's chamor. Right? If we say only one or two brachos or three brachos with kavanah, that's a lot more chamor than how much time we're spending davening. So we do have to have our priorities straight, but one small change in any of these areas is worthwhile. One last idea is what we have time for, and then I'll, I'll share with you. These are handouts actually um, not from this class, but they apply to this class too, so you could take them. I hope they're, they're sort of like just thoughts. They were supposed to be summary steps, but also thought catalysts to... To help they, they sound nice because this <laughs> because I was talking to a group that's not necessarily so religious, so I don't you know, can't give like heavy-handed musir. But but said they're also true. They also sound nice, but they're true. They're not they're not just uh, you know, pap to make people feel good. But the goal is to catalyze the right thinking. What does harata come from? Okay, because in order to really change, what I have to do is change my action. But my action, if, it, if it's going to be really tshuva, it has to change through a process of charata and vidui also. Admitting what I've done wrong and, and feeling a burning regret for it. And that is painful. That's the part of Yom Kippur that's painful. It's not the part like the other stuff. The guilt, no. It's the regret, not guilt. Guilt doesn't do anything. Guilt just makes you feel like you're righteous because you cared about it. But regret, what's the regret? How do, you, how do you get to it? And the way you get it, I think, Joseph, did I say it in the shir, or maybe I just said it to you in the kitchen privately. I don't remember. It might have been after a shir. This is also an example from Rabbi Leichter. Yeah. He says, how do you feel regret? You only feel charata, you only feel burning regret when you feel that there really was another way you could have done it and you didn't. So the example he gave was that he was going to the mikveh because he was going to be a sandik. And when he got to the mikvah, I guess it's like a membership or something. You have a card and you swipe it to pay. And you were also in the room, because I remember you were there, (laughs) Kelsey. And as he was going in, there was a young man standing there who said, I don't have my card, I don't have a card, whatever. Could you let me in on your cheshben? And he says, what? Let you in on my cheshben? It's asr, it's gezel. Don't you see the sign? Every person has to pay to come in. You can't just come in and use the facilities without paying. That's Gezel. I said, well, whatever. No. So he goes in, and as he's coming out of the mikvah, he sees this boy has come in with somebody. So he's saying again, what's the matter with you? It's Gezel. How could you come in? You know, and he leaves. And like, so he said it was slichos. So he's saying slichos, and he thinks to himself, oy, leichter, like maybe, maybe you shouldn't have talked that way. You should have been nicer. You should have this. He said, no, but first of all, he was wrong. And it was right. And if you don't tell people, how will they know? And anyway, like, I should have been a nicer person, but I'm not a nicer person. Okay, now I'm not commenting on him. You know, this is how he tells the story, right? I think I heard this. But we sorry? I think I heard this from him. You heard this from him? But we can hear the voice in ourselves, right? Oh, I really should be more patient, okay? But I'm not more patient. Whether we realize that we're answering that to ourselves or not, as soon as it's, I should be more, I should be different, but I'm not different. So what's the charata? Guilt may be, but where's the harata? So here's my example. I could have left my phone down, upside down, but I picked it up when someone was talking to me. I didn't have to turn around to look into the refrigerator when my kid was talking to me. I could have kept making, oh, that, that hurts. That does hurt. I made someone feel rejected or not wanted so much. I made them feel not so welcome. I made them feel I wasn't so interested in them. I didn't care about them so much. For what? So to say, like, I should sit and I should listen and I should be nicer, like, okay, I should, I should, I should, but I'm not. But who am I really? I re- yeah, I really could have. I could have not broken eye contact. I could have been there for them. I could have stopped this other thing I was doing that wasn't so important for two minutes. That I could have done. So from there comes charata. Charata comes because there's room for shame and regret and there's nowhere to escape. Guilt is just escape. It doesn't take you anywhere. The the shame and the burn comes from I know it could be different. And it's hard to feel that way. But then we have to take the next step and say, okay, so how could I have chosen differently? And then I say, How can I implement that so that I will be more likely to choose correctly next time? What is it I do? What is it I change? What do I think to myself? Where do I put the phone when I come in or when I'm in the car? What do I I remind myself when I turn turn back, right? What is it I have to do to make that better the next time it comes around? That's really tshuva. And that really matters. And is it going to get in anyone's biography? Probably not. But it's going to be up there in the book that God opens on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That is going to be in the book. She's changing. She's working on something important and she's made a change. And it it doesn't, it's a small change. What does small or big mean in this context? It's a piece of infinity anyway. So small will make it sustainable and small will put me in the category of change. So enjoy your Yom Kippur because it is is not fun, but it is a tremendous, exhausting, great pleasure to feel that you changed, and to feel welcomed, and to feel that Hashem is happy with you, and cherishing you, and delighted with you. And that is within our reach. That's what the Rambam told us. It's in our reach. And on Yom Kippur... On Yom Kippur, Ramchal said it's easier. Our tshuva accept accepted it easier. It's easier to do the tshuva because the light is there for us and the, the mitzvahs of Yom Kippur help us achieve it. So I won't review all of these. You can, Baruch Hashem, all read for yourself, except for Mrs. Khan. I'll read them to her. <laughs> Mrs. Khan? Yes. I made a handout. Maybe I'll give you one to take home. Oh, thank you. So you can. Yeah,
1: keep, somebody read somebody
0: it. can read it with you. I'm going to read it with you now. Thank you. But if you want to review it again, you'll have it with you. Thank you. Okay, so technically we're done. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. You got like a mix up. Usually it's the Davening Shear. <laughs> so we only started a little bit with a Halacha about uh, okay. We had agreed in advance this this one's going to be Yom Kippur. No, this was good. <laughs> next week, what's next okay, week? It's probably Sukkot or something or Yom Kippur. It's, it's yeah. Yom Kippur, right? Yeah, so so oh, what yes. I have, you have the schedule. It's Yom Kippur, and then I think it's Sukkot. It's gonna be like holomoid success. Yeah, so not on on holomoid. And I'm trying to remember, I think succus ends on a Tuesday. So so. So if you're up to Wednesday, I'll do Wednesday. We'll go back to Shmonas. You'll do after Yom After No. After Sukis. After Wednesday after sukkis. After Success. Anyone you guys think you can do it? Sorry? It's October the second. Is that October seventh? You're good with that. I don't know. Okay, my kids are probably on vacation, but I think we could manage this year. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So. Thank you. Welcome. It's a little hectic. Yeah, the kids are in school. Yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. So here's the handout. The call of the shofar is both a cry and a song. The first step in a personal accounting is to count your successes, to know your strengths, because you have to know what you have to work with in order to change. The power of Yom Kippur is the power to feel the light of God's loving kindness most intensely. On Yom Kippur, we can be at a level of perfection that is usually beyond our reach. We experience this light as feeling his presence and care, knowing our lives and our actions matter to him. We reflect this light by feeling our love for Him and a desire to do better for Him. Everything you do has meaning and impact. Even mistakes are meaningful and purposeful when they become part of the solution. God cherishes your efforts to improve even more than perfection. What one thing, if I did it better or more consistently, would bring me closer to the ideal I feel on Yom Kippur? A small step is a great journey, and Yom Kippur is a holiday. That was the summary page. <laughs> Gemarcha Simatova. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to take...